Hello and welcome to the Marvelous Winner Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Henry. I am your other co-host, Matthew. And today we are talking about Fantastic Four and its its history of movies that, you know, they go up and down and even when they go up, they're not really going up, they kind of just go in the middle. <laughs> um, Comparatively uh, up. <laughs> yeah, and then from that we're going to be doing a bit of a, a bit of a fan cast of like what we'd like to see. Hell yeah going forward uh, but before that just to mention we do have an instagram account at Mollisonal podcast where we do our daily reviews and well not uh, every other day uh, reviews and weekly podcasts um and we do the same thing over at at twitter um at cinema marvelous where we do every other day reviews it's weird saying that like every other day reviews <laughs> and weekly podcasts so yeah um so also you know give us a review or like if you can on the podcast uh medium that you're listening to us on nice mm. little constructive feedback helps that um, a lot we really appreciate it yeah um but yeah do you want to get started with i guess your general thoughts on the fantastic four <laughs> the fantastic four are they're sort of at the heart of marvel and stanley marvel which is probably just extra painful when you look at the films we've got. <laughs> um, two of them are very 2000s. Maximum 2000s, just whatever 2000s was. <laughs> the only thing that's more of a time capsule for the 2000s is the first Fast and Furious film. <laughs> yeah. um, and then and then, then we have the 2015 one, which makes those two look like, look like Godfather Part 1 and 2. It really does, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it, it's not all bad. Not everything's bad. No, I, I have, I would say, quite a bit of nostalgia for the first two. Mm, Therefore, I'm very, I'm very kind to them, despite their problems. <laughs> mm, yeah, I I rewatched for this, last night and this morning, I rewatched the first, of the, the 2005 one, mm-hmm. and the more recent 2015 one. Yeah, I didn't get around to Silver Surfer, so I'm mm-hmm. going mostly off memory for that. Mm-hmm. But oh, have I got notes? <laughs> you were saying before that you got six pages of notes. Six pages for for Fan Four Stick alone. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Um, what are your general thoughts? Um, I yeah, I totally agree that it's a, it's particularly annoying that these movies aren't particularly good so far considering they are the first big, like, Marvel, Stanley kind of, oh, let's make superheroes actual be- human beings that have, like, relatable problems sort of thing. Mm. Um, and, you know, it was it's the birthing point of everything we know Marvel to be. So it's annoying that we've gotten technically, technically four movies, but really only three movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a 1990s one that's very low budget and didn't even get released, but... It, you can mm-hmm. find it on YouTube, I think. It's really Can funny. You? Yeah, it's really funny as well. <laughs> um, but the movies that we have seen that are big budget, blockbuster um, sort of deals are, I would say, the best they ever get for me is kind of just passably pretty all right. Um, mm-hmm. And then even then it's kind of just, I forget like how many just... I, I think the worst part to me is all the fact that they keep on repeating the same thing in each movie. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's always the origin story and it's always Doctor Doom and it's always Johnny Storm with a bit of a dick, but he's going to learn not to be a dick. <laughs> and it's just do anything else. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I think I want to go to your opinion on Fanforstic specifically. <laughs> I, I want to get to Fanforstic first. Yeah, because I'm so excited to hear about these six pages. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, okay, okay. So. Actually, as well, as well, right, I'd like to point out that these notes I have, this is just for the, maybe the second half. <laughs> right. Because, basically, maybe even a year ago now, I, I it, Fanforced it came onto, onto Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen it at the time. Um, and I thought, let's give it a go. <laughs> I got to Victor Von Doom's introduction... <laughs> and that made me close the app and leave it alone. <laughs> so these notes are from that point onward. Building on that, um, <laughs> a lot of these notes are. It does about sort of at the middle and towards the end. It does just become a rant. <laughs> it becomes me swearing, swearing, and about mainly about doom. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the first thing I've written is ugly looking. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> it's just not particularly pleasant. And one of the very few positives I've written down is that it does help it in some of the scenes in that when they first come back from... I, I, don't, I don't even know what we're calling it in this film. I think it's meant to be the negative ju- uh, negative zone. Or yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. So they come back. Yeah, and there's a, there's the bit where um, they think um, Ben's stuck under a load of rocks, mm-hmm. and obviously everybody, everybody who's even heard of the Fantastic Four knows that he's not stuck under them. <laughs> he is the rocks. So, and I feel like that sort of speaks to some of the elements, sort of the horror aspects of it that sometimes work. It's my favorite part of the movie i guess <laughs> yeah yeah I, I like the moment where they're trying to come back and they can't open the capsules they can't close the capsules and all things are happening to them which you know that's how they get the powers but they're all gen- generally horrifying things um that's the only part that i, that I liked i think <laughs> um, and that being said why they went for horror in the fantastic four yeah i don't know I still don't understand. I do kind of, I kind of like the idea, but I don't like the idea of doing it as your main blockbuster Fantastic Four movie. <clears throat> it's a what if, isn't it? it? Yeah, it's what if, and it's not because also like think about Fox and like the fact that they were like we're going to have our X Men and our Daredevils and our Fantastic Four all in one universe, and I'm just thinking, I can't imagine these character, these body horror horror characters next to Wolverine giving some quips, you know? <laughs> I can't imagine it. Mm, no, it's it's difficult to, to come to terms with. Um, one of the other, I suppose, the, the only other slight thing that I liked is when Victor's trying to persuade them to go into the negative zone, he gives a little monologue about the, uh, the Apollo capsule and Neil Armstrong and nobody remembering them. Which I think is actually a pretty decent bit of monologue. Um, that being said, 
the motivations for going into the machine to the negative zone is a load of bollocks. <laughs> and they, they get drunk. <laughs> well, yeah, it's that aside, but the Fantastic Four, right? So, so let, me, let me come back. The Fantastic Four's motives for going to the negative zone are we want to be remembered. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I'm not a mass, massively familiar with the comics, but I can tell you 100% that that is not something Reed Richards would do. Yeah, Reed Richards are very much... I mean, the thing about the Fantastic Four in general and what's so weird about the movies is they keep on doing the origin story when the origin doesn't really change them that much because they were always explorers and like adventurers. Mm. It just so happens that they get powers at some point and then it goes up like it, like they have a bigger scale of adventures, but they were always adventurers seeking out scientific discoveries. Hmm. They were, yeah, yeah that, that, that shouldn't change. And I'm, obviously, we'll, we'll get to the Fantastic Four going forward after we've covered the films, but one of the things that I kind of... I kind of think going in is we don't need to see the origin. It's like Spider-Man when it, it comes into the MCU. Mm-hmm. We don't need to see the origin because yeah. everybody in the dog knows that he's bit by a spider. <laughs> just like have a... Just really shortly mention it as like a background exposition thing, maybe. Hmm. Um, that, that being said, I, 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 obviously we will get to it. I'm, I'm not... I wouldn't be against them showing the origin mainly because it's it's not it's not as simple as getting bit by a spider, if you know what I mean. Like there are several ways it could happen and I feel like given generally publicly, I don't think anybody really knows the specifics of how they got the powers, like they know Spider Man got bit by a spider or that Bruce Wayne's parents were shot in an alleyway. Yeah, it's less um like oh yeah, all, all that's really known is that they're off doing something and then they, something happens on the expedition or something. Like, in the original ones, it's a solar flare. In this one, it's... It's... it's ooze? The, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a bit green ooze. Yeah. Like the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah. It's a less iconic. Um, like, you don't see... To, to a, a family in an alleyway and you think, oh, it's Batman. You don't have that sort of iconography associated with the origin of these characters. Um, mm-hmm. But I still, I mean, I, I guess I will trust Marvel if they do do origin like with it because I just trust them in general. But also, mm-hmm. I don't see the problem at all with doing like a slideshow in the background of like, they went into space and then a solar flare hit them and now they have powers and that was it. <laughs> mm, yeah. I'd be fine with that. Mm. Um, <laughs> one of the comments I've written, the next comment is, is um, I've written, it's just bad, but I've written four A's. <laughs> I've written four A's. It's just bad. <laughs> um, all right, so here we, here we come to major problem number one. Okay, so this is a, it's quite a long film. Yeah, it is. Uh, especially when you know it's going to be crap. But... It's also just... It doesn't... I couldn't believe it that... Because I checked the time... Because I watched it this morning. Was, um, and I couldn't believe it that when I checked the time on how far we were through, that it took like 45 minutes for them to get into the actual machine and go to mm. the other place. And, and and you spend like... You spend like... Like you said, that 
45 50 minutes building the characters up and they're going then they go into the, the negative zone or whatever and then <laughs> one year later I think that's one of the most bizarre things in a film that's ever happened. <laughs> like, I was watching you, like, what? <laughs> it's like, like I mean, the, the, the time jump in Endgame has a shock to it, but it's a relevant shock for this. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be the core of the film. This yeah. is what you're going for. This is them exploring the powers, finding out what they can do, and the horror of realising what's going on. And, but you've gone one year later, and Reed's <laughs> just, Reed's pissed off. Yeah. He's just gone. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that the scene as well that happens in is is a um, some generic uh, businessman villain ish kind of guy walks in a room and goes, "Oh, Ben Grimm, we can use you as a military um, something something, you know, weapon." And then Ben Grimm in his rock form kind of goes, "Hmm," and then it goes one year later out of nowhere, and then the immediate scene after is them scoring. So Ben Grimm's our military weapon, and he's really good. <laughs> I'm like, could he not have just not done that? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so odd. Yeah, and, and like you said, I, 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 the idea of having a slideshow to show things isn't all that bad because it gets it out of the way, but we don't need to see a slideshow of what we've been watching for 50 minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. then, like, then they're all like, oh, and he can turn on fire. Speaking of which, another thing... Mm-hmm. Right, is they've just shown this slideshow to the military. Mm-hmm. And the next shot is the next scene, they cut to them on a plane, and Johnny Storm's flying about outside, and one of the military guys goes, Oh, what's that? <laughs> what do you mean, what's that? <laughs> You've just been shown it. You've been here for a year. <laughs> <sighs> oh, God. It's a stressful film, I think. It's. Mm. I think to go. I mean, it might be in your notes, but I think one of the most baffling scenes in that movie is near the beginning, when they're at a, a science fair, <laughs> and I think number one is the actors are clearly, and I'm usually okay with this, but it's so odd in this film. Um, the actors are clearly like 50, thirty years old, and the people around them are like twelve years old. Which brings the question of, are you is the film trying to say to me that these people are like 12 years old? Or are they saying that uh, Reeds and Ben go to uh, children's science fairs? Either answer is really weird. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. And then another thing on that scene that really confuses me so much is when, when the teacher sees like actual mind-blowing science of a teleporting machine he goes yo reads this isn't this isn't a magic show this is a this is a science show and like you saw the thing in front of your eyes go into a different dimension and then come back that's not that's not he's done it for real guys like (laughs) (laughs) uh it's so yeah yeah the the rages in general are confusing because how old are they meant to be? Like, there's one bit where um, Sue and Johnny's dad comes to get them from the thing, and he says, he's, he's, "He says they're just kids. Are they? <laughs> are they though? Especially <laughs> what? What do you mean they're just kids? <laughs> Especially Ben Grimm, who to me looks like at least thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, and um. um oh. I, I don't even... 
I, I mean, we've only got through two pages of, of these of the six. <laughs> um, one of the one of the main things at this point that's coming through to me is, I, I'm hating the fact that they're weaponized. Mm, like yeah. I know, I get it. We've been here. We've done this. Yeah. The X Men films have done it. There's no need to do this. This is meant to be a family drama. Yeah, I don't. I kind of. I think it was the general feeling of the time was like, oh, the Dark Knight trilogy was was realistic. So like, someone Josh Frank probably went, oh, what if we turn the Fantastic Four realistic? <laughs> and like, no, I don't want that just yet. <laughs> has, has he even has he even seen Reed Richards before? <laughs> Dude can stretch his arms for several miles. He can turn to it. There's a no way you can make that realistic. No, and even then, is I mean, I think there's there is probably a way of doing it that does work. But in the film, the film is so bland and so restrained that you can't help but just want something like anything else <laughs> to happen. It's it's infuriating that it's just so. I don't know, just not, I don't know, it's just like not at all Fantastic Four, even remotely. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, it's genuinely bizarre how they're just, just, just all over the place. And the suits. Yeah, the suits. Um, so going from, this, this is sort of something about the original two films. I actually really like the original suits. Me too, they're pretty good. They look nice. Yeah. They're not this... They're not. Well, they're just not this films. That's all I can say. They're not I just hate, generic I, black. I really hate Johnny Storms. Like, he's wet. He's wearing like metal wires around his outfit as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really weird. I don't. Oh god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, oh god. Um. I know. I know that this was sort of picked upon the time. I think it was something to do with the reshoots. Um. Sue Storm's wig is it's one of the worst I've ever seen. It's I love it when there's such a telltale sign of a reshoot that you can watch it and go, oh, this is reshot, I wonder why. And then in your mind, remake the film how it probably was meant to go. <laughs> like, it's the same thing with, with um, Justice League and the moustache thing. Like, every scene with like a weird Henry Cavill face, you kind of go, oh, so I guess, but why did they do it? What, what, happened? what was wrong with the other film <laughs> at this point? <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> now I, I'm I'm no wig expert. Mm. I'd like to get that out in the open, but the fact that right, so there's there's clear like a parting in her hair in the middle. Yeah, right. The parting isn't even marked. It looks like someone's drawn it with a pen. <laughs> <laughs> there's no actual parting. It's just hair, and then someone's drawn a line as if they're trying to make definition. Why am I getting mad about this? This is what it's... I hate about this. It's actually made me question this wig. Something <laughs> that I would never pick up on before. Because the wig is so... It's so wrong. Because, <laughs> like, compared to her actual hair, instead of going, like, a... I guess they call it, like, dirty blonde. This one's, like, an actual, like, platinum, full-on... <laughs> it burns your eyes out blonde. And you're kind of like, why? Who didn't check this? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just bizarre. I can't believe this is what this film's done to me. <laughs> It's ruined the uh, weekend. <laughs> um, and then, then so, so Ben goes to get Reed, mm-hmm. right? And we have we have some some wonderful CGI on Reed's manipulated face. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so 
Ben confronts, um, with other soldiers, conf- confronts Reed in the forest, and you're thinking, yeah, we're going to get some action. Mm-hmm. Nope, cut to Reed in a box. Yep. <laughs> Just in a box. Uh, Why is he in a box? Who knows? Yeah. He's in a I box. I think there's a good point you make there from this, that the action in this film is really lacking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just it's the it's almost like the film was constantly kind of saying maybe we'll do a bit of Fantastic Four whimsical action, but we won't. We won't. Don't worry. We don't worry. We won't. Um, <laughs> to the point where I cannot believe that the end fight at the end of the movie is so terrible. <laughs> it's 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 just it's just nothing. It's it's so much nothing, and it has that. Yeah, you have that generic. Oh, we're all pinned to the ground. What are you going to do? Yeah. It just, yeah. just gets up. <laughs> and it has like even more... I Usually I love this. One of my favourite movie tropes of all time is a team coming together and the power of friendship and love beating a villain. It's one of my... I love it. Every time, I love it. No matter what film. Mm-hmm. However, in this film, when they all say to each other, like, I think Reed goes, look, it's only us, three, us four together can we defeat this guy. Mm, yeah, only yeah. To, like... And this is when my mind started going to the other direction of how Sue Storm and Ben Grimm even talk to each other in this film. I don't think they do. do no, they, they don't. Cause I, they never interact. They don't. I think at one point he looks at her um, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. Speaking of that scene you're talking about though, I just remember uh, Ben Ben says something like... Um, He's stronger than each of us. And I just, I immediately put my head in my hands because I knew what line would come in next. <laughs> yeah, but we're stronger um, together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, I quite like, I quite like that moment where everybody comes together, like an event. It's like, yeah, we've got to do this now. We've got to come together. We're not, we're not messing about. But this, and as well, it isn't helped by the fact that this is probably the flattest performance from Miles Teller I've ever seen. One of the yeah. flattest performances in any any blockbuster, and that's saying something. Particularly yeah. the line when they arrive in the negative zone, they see the big blue beam in the sky. <laughs> Everyone's favourite plot device. Mm-hmm. And the way he explains it is just like, and he's sucking in the entirety of our dimension. <laughs> yeah. it's, oh. And I think I kind of, to a certain extent, kind of like his performance in the first 20 minutes maybe mm. I kind of find it he's kind of attempting to be kind of a, a fumbling mess nerd kind of person mm-hmm. um, but even then I don't think it's pretty, particularly good but also I think when I think about Reed Richards I don't think about that <laughs> I know like, I mean, like Reed, Reed Richards is he's a likeable nerd but this one's just a dick yeah yeah and I kind of, because I, I know in the comics there is kind of a um, a back and forth between is Reed Richards kind of a dick? Is he kind of not a good bloke? But in this one it's less kind of is his scientific mind too destructive or whatever. It's more just general just being a dick in social situations. Like it's just, <laughs> and it's kind of, I remember watching it and thinking like, is this dude like in the same world as everyone else because mm-hmm. and I think especially when you go back to the, the younger actor and kid, kid actors have always got a tough job to do when they've got a bad script because kid actors you know they don't they're scared, they do what they're told right mm-hmm. um, but that kid actor that's playing Reed Richards in the beginning of the film he is 
he's like a robot. <laughs> when he says his like opening lines about how he's going to make a teleporting machine and how he's you know going to make a flying car, and he's saying it like it looks like he's reading the lines off just like slightly off screen, and like he's doing a Marlon Brando. Yeah, doing a Marlon Brando. Yeah, <laughs> this the way he says it. But the way he says it, it like an he says it in an entire like monotone same voice like the entire way through. Like I'm going to build this, and I'm going to build this, and I'm going to kill you and your parents. <laughs> it sounds like that. It's te- oh, it's yeah. It's a lot of things in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was it was around the point where they get back. Uh, you know, everyone's back together again. Mm-hmm. Well, I've I've written down in my notes. I've just written. Where's Victor gone? <laughs> it's like at that moment I just thought, Victor Doom, because everyone Doom's in this. Yeah. And he's just not here. And then he comes back and <laughs> it gets worse somehow. Oh God. Oh let me let, let me just flick to that page. What have we got? What, what, what have we got here? Um I've written it just looks shit. <laughs> and speaking to this right, so the idea like surrounding Doctor Doom and the whole mask thing. It's supposed to be that he, you know, he's 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 scarred and he's insecure about his facial scars, so he wears the mask and all that. And then it seems like this crew of this film's gone, yeah now nah, let's just make him made of metal. <laughs> yeah. I he doesn't even look like a I I kind of enjoy the first Tim Story directed movies attempt at Doctor Doom in terms of mm-hmm. like the visual design of the costume. I think it's pretty pretty much almost kind of perfect, almost. Mm. Um, yeah, if it, was, if it was like a, it's hampered by the budget, like a lot of of like the, the the approach to the design that a lot of films from that era are. But for the most part, it's pretty good. It's yeah, it's pretty. They went they went for the actual design from the comics mm. essentially, but in this one, it's <laughs> it's. It's it's a green ooze man encased within like a trash bag, <laughs> 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 and and then on top of that trash bag, he's also wearing a kind of darker trash bag hoodie. Um, and when I I remember when I saw him for the first time in the trailer or in the behind the scenes, whatever that came out, that's the moment I went. This might not be good, <laughs> and I was right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I feel like this this Doctor Doom makes the other one more like Darth Vader. Um, he just doesn't have a motive either. What's it's, he doing? It's so vague. It's so vague. He just pops like, up, and I think it's applied that. And it's not even really applied. It's more me putting in the blanks there of just. I think he prefers the new dimension. Maybe. Yeah, it feels like it's like you don't deserve this world. Only, only one world can live. Like, what? Wait, wait, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Where yeah. this come from? <laughs> and then he decides that the humans don't deserve the Earth. So they just thought, let's. Should we? Should we imply some climate change? So, yeah. Should we so, that in? so we talk about it, or should we just have a guy doing it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. And I, I love the fact that I guess now thinking back to it in the first like hour of the film, when Victor von. Doom or Dharma shares whatever it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's talking about how the Earth is like, same people are running it, uh, same people put it into the ground. Maybe just, the Earth says what's coming to it. And I'm like, 
is that all we're going to get from him? Like, that's his, <laughs> that's his motivation right there. And, yeah, that that's it. He gives, like, one half-hour speech about the world being kind of bad because of people in power. And he comes back with his trash bag and goes, blue light in the sky, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then, do they kill him? Maybe. <laughs> Is he dead? Maybe. Oh, oh and, 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 and how, how can, how, how can we possibly forget this absolute cracker of a line? Right. There is no victor, only doom. <laughs> um, oh, I think God. I've got another one. Um, well, no, 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 it's, it's not it's a that direct quote, but it's that... So after Reed pulls everyone together, gives everyone the worst pep talk in cinema history. Yeah. Somehow it motivates them. I think it says more about them than him. <laughs> and victor, uh, Doom Doom's got him by the throat. And Doom says, you always thought you were smarter than me. The only implication that we've got to the comics history between these two characters, like, they're supposed to be, like, arch enemies, rivals. They've known each other for, like, two minutes. Yeah, I think that's probably the the biggest kind of... Mm -hmm. the downfall of this film for me is the the fact that they all meet each other in this film. And I Mm. I I think that can work. Like, we've seen plenty of origin films that make characters meet each other for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. But when your film is so not good at doing characterization and not at all good at pacing, like I, when they introduce Johnny Storm in this film, and he's kind of just doing a race, and then it cuts from that race to him getting told by his father, the 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 cut that goes from him being in the car to him being told by his father is so abrupt that I couldn't help but think that they've just like, took a clear to this movie and just made it into just the most boring plot, like, version of itself, where it's, mm-hmm. every scene is just a plot moving forward. Um, but then the plot isn't even that interesting, therefore it's just kind of a boring, flat movie. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's... I I mean, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes things with this movie, isn't there, that... Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe Miles Teller and the director had a little fight... <laughs> um, maybe the director trashed the hotel room or whatever it was. I don't know what happened. It's all speculation and rumour things, but yeah. clearly something went down that was terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. And even knowing that, like a lot of the time you hear about stuff like this happening and you think, oh, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. I look at this film and it's one of them where I just think, I don't think there was ever a good film in here. I kind of agree. I, I think even the parts that I look at and go, that's the good part, I still don't love it. <laughs> mm. I kind it's still of, questionable. Yeah, I kind of, to a certain extent, enjoy... Yeah, again, the implied history sort of thing of, like, these characters know each other from before the film, and therefore they kind of work a bit better. I kind of enjoy Ben and Reed, their kind of relationship. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I kind of like, yeah, because like, I think there's one moment in particular I think that's very much a teenage thing to do um, when they get drunk about they're going to the other dimension and he invites Ben over and then Ben goes to the door and then Reed who's sort of like really drunk kind of like does like this weird facial expression where he's like yeah he's here <laughs> like that's 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 cute that's friendship <laughs> yeah and there's a scene where um, Ben uh, Ben leaves Reed in the the I can't remember what it is a dorm room or something yeah 
which I feel like that seems that seems pretty nice. Their relationship yeah. in general is pretty nice. It's just a shame that that relationship isn't elsewhere in the film with other characters, if that makes sense. Yeah, because I can't... I think it's one, it's one of the, um, the biggest examples of a movie which, with each act, it gets worse. Because mm-hmm. I think... I remember when I first saw this film, um, like a year ago, maybe, and I was like, oh, this isn't this isn't terrible. It's odd and kind of weird, but it's not terrible. And then the one year later happens, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. And then the light in the sky happens, and the third act climax happens, and I go, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it gets worse and worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the final battle is just it's just generally. I mean, and even the way they defeat him, like, so Doom grabs Reed by the throat, and he he he, he says about, "Oh, you always thought you were smarter than me," and Reed's response is, "I am smarter than you," <laughs> and then he shouts something like "Go" or or, yeah. or "Do it" to one of the others, and Doom just just lets him go. Yeah, yeah. He just releases him and and turns around and walks into a beam of light. Well. Victor Von Doom is famous for being like a cat with a light, you know. He's kind of pretty light, and he goes, "Oh, pretty light." <laughs> mm. it's, it's not like he's meant to be one of the smartest men on earth and the dictator of a Eastern European country. Nah, nah, nah. That's comic book. That's comic book stuff. That's silly stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we, can't be, we can't be having any of that in this film <laughs> because it's yeah. super serious. Yeah, it's it's too serious of anything. <laughs> um, and then and then once everything's been saved, we have the great triumphant moment where the four of them return to Earth, and they stand around, literally passing each other back and smiling as they look up, look out over the massive fuck off crater they've created. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like if at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, the the Guardian looked over the entire destroyed Zandar city and then went, "Damn, we're good." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, then leading on to the the last conversation of the film. Which oh my! Oh yeah, I forgot. What is it. <laughs> the worst thing was I knew it was the final scene. The mm. worst thing was is that during I literally wanted to turn it off, <laughs> despite being so close to the end. I genuinely wanted to just press the cross in the top corner of the screen. Yeah, I and it was like it when he says the the line. Say that again. I was like. This is a meme. I swear to God, this is some sort of meme I'm watching. Because, like, I, you almost make the joke of every film coming out that... I mean, what was it? Um, the Suicide Squad thing. Mm-hmm. Why are we some sort of Suicide Squad? <laughs> um, that sort of thing. I, in my mind, saying that in a movie now is kind of... Saying the title of your movie in, like, some sort of, like, wink nudge way is... Mm-hmm. It's just like a meme now that I couldn't believe that the film ended like that. <laughs> Oh god, and also I hate that scene where, I mean, as many as they hate, but also when they all go to that office room to have like a bit of a talk with the board about they don't want to be they don't they don't want to be like military subject anymore. Because mm-hmm. um, I just thought to myself, God, we're going to another boardroom to talk about the politics of what they're doing, and then we're just going to leave the room probably, and then go to a different room, and I'm like. This is the Fantastic Four. Like, they're always in space. <laughs> they're always doing some wacky, crazy things. And we're in an office room doing a boardroom talk. <laughs> God. It's, it's painful. It is, yeah. 
it's a painful film. The the last thing, which is um, an amusing thing, I thought I thought was I thought it was funny. So they have the screens up when they when they send like a different crew into the negative zone, and Reed and others are watching on screens, and it comes up, and before it was like glowing green, mm-hmm. and it, it, it it's now it's now sort of glowing orange, and Reed <laughs> says, "Oh, it looks different," and then someone says, "How?" and then he says, "I don't know." What do you mean you don't know? <laughs> it's orange. <laughs> Look, he's colorblind, all right. <laughs> uh, also, speaking of which, apparently uh, Reed just doesn't need glasses anymore. At one point in the film. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah. Also, I find it funny that I think um, after the one-year time jump, um, when we go out to Reed Richards, and he's in his little hut doing his little research, whatever. Um, they clearly told him like grow out a beard, but they because like he's meant to be like, oh, he's on a run, and he's being. Un- unkept and unshaven and there's this really great close-up of him and he has like maybe like four strands of hair <laughs> <laughs> it's like like somebody decides oi oi get a sharpie <laughs> we'll draw him on yeah <laughs> god it's that's... a broken film <laughs> mm, that, that's everything I'll have on it I, I, I want I want to go I want to go away <laughs> Do you want to move on to the the Tim story, the Silver Surfer in the Fantastic Four 2005 movie? I never thought I'd say this, but yes, please. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, so these movies, I kind of think that they get the baseline pretty okay. I think that they are family dramas that mm. every once in a while do some kind of wacky thing. Um, yeah, it's good that they... They've got the fact that this is supposed to be about like a family a- aspect. Yeah, they I, kind I feel of... like for, for the for the most part, especially compared to the remake, for the most part, there is some pretty solid relationship dynamics. Hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's. I think there's some all right casting. Um, I think Michael Chiklis is the thing is like perfect. <laughs> mm, yeah, I think one of the things, one of the things, main thing is come away from this is that. Michael Chiklis and The Thing are definitely the heart of this film. Yeah, definitely. He is... I think, yeah, I think at, at the time of release, um, Stan Lee was like, this is my favourite performance in a Marvel movie. And mm. I disagree, but also at the same time, I'm not against that idea. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he, is, he is pretty good. Uh, I also like Chris Evans as Donnie Storm. Um, I think out of these two films, the best thing about them is them two being kind of like brothers that are mean to each other. Yeah. Um, but I think the downfall for me has always been the casting and the kind of chemistry of Reed Richards and Sue Storm, mm. which is really bland and really not... It's the most surface-level thing in this in these films. <laughs> yeah, there, there really isn't that, that good amount. Of, there really isn't much chemistry between them. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think that's the the actress fault. I think it's genuinely the fact that it, that relationship is poorly written. Yeah, it's it's just it suffers from the idea of just that that sort of early two thousands cliche romance thing that they stick in in superhero films because romance isn't the main genre, so we're just going to use this cheap aspect. Yeah, and have it be oh, so he was focused on work and. 
and then and, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the amount of times we go back to the same conversation of so Reed, you were like into your work too much and Sue, you sort of you know, I don't know, I didn't even know what Sue was meant to do. Um but the first movies is them two going back and forth between just the most shallow argument ever. And I love the fact that Sue Storm, for whatever reason, was kind of like dating Victor Von Doom. <laughs> I find that really funny for some reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think in general, one of the main things to take away from this is the way that Sue is handled mm. is quite problematic. It's, yeah, it, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure people are people are aware of the the infamous of interactions and the the unfortunate experience Jessica Alba had on set filming these is the infamous story of director Tim Short told her to cry pretty, was it, or something? Yeah, like, don't cry emotional, cry pretty. <laughs> Which, you know, it's not something you want to hear. Yeah. Um, and, and generally the way she's presented is is problematic and it completely undermines it because I do, I do genuinely think Jessica Alba is, is trying here. Oh, yeah. And I think there is something... You know, she 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 can bring something to it if she was allowed to. Yeah. But instead, she's genuinely undermined by just just the fact her going invisible on the bridge. Oh God, yeah. That is that is painful, and it also makes no sense. No, like... it doesn't. And the fact that as well, she is constantly wearing stuff that is just far too low cut or short. Yeah. No, no uh, real human being. Even if it is 2005, no real human yeah. being is I mean, wearing even that. The f- yeah, I know. Even like the first time we ever in live action, big budget, see the Fantastic Four uh, costumes, it's her with like a low angle shot mm. and her like cleavage kind of accentuated by the outfit and every male character has like a moment of like, <gasps> she's attractive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's... Yeah, it's... Oh. Yeah, and, oh, and it just baffles. It's things like this which are painfully baffling. Like they genuinely hurt my head when you have these sort of jumpsuits with a zip, <laughs> and literally everybody, everybody's got a zip to the top. Yeah. Reed's right at the top. Johnny right at the top. Obviously, uh, the thing doesn't have one. But <laughs> yeah. Sea Storm is basically a waste, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just it, it just pisses me off a bit. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it kind of. And also her arc in both these films is merely just either my boyfriend isn't man enough or um, my wedding isn't going well. Mm. Like, that's her big conflict for two movies worth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah generally just the, act, the the arcs, they are just generally, generally quite offensive. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, I think, again, to credit Jessica Alba, I think even with her writing... I still, even now, get the sense that she was actually passionate about it and wanted there to be better writing for her because... Oh, yeah. Yeah, she deserved more. Her, prefer- her performance is very rarely lazy. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. just undermined. <laughs> mm. um, and one, one of the things that I thought look back on these four films is that with the better better, better writing, better, better direction, just general better production values, mm. I think these four could have really worked. Yeah, I think they are great casting for the most part. Like mm, a good a good part of me when it comes to the MCU just sort of is thinking, give them another go, <laughs> bring them in. <laughs> um, 
I, I, obviously, I don't think they will, and I, I don't think that's the best way. But part of me just wants them to at least have another shot, and particularly Jessica Alba. Like, I do mm-hmm. want her to have a shot like genuinely, genuinely being able to do this without being undermined by some man behind the camera who is obsessed with, for some reason, giving her a tight jumpsuit with a zip halfway <laughs> down. Yeah, and and going from that to. I think, for some reason, always the most controversial parts of these movies. Um, how do you feel about this version of uh, Victor Von Doom? Yeah, um, I think generally it's a bit it's just bland. He's just Norman Osborn, but less kind of captivating. <laughs> mm, just not quite as mad. Yeah. Not quite <laughs> as extreme. Um, I think, obviously, it gets it, it gets it much better than the other one, but still not perfect. Which, again, is, it's... It's a bit. It's really sad because this is, this is Marvel's greatest villain. Yeah, <laughs> and this, this is Marvel's Darth Vader. I this mean, is their we all, Joker. We all, we, all, we, all, we, all, we all talk about um, about how Thanos has become the big bad for the MCU. Hmm. It's still always Doom. Always is yeah. <laughs> like if if they do it right for the MCU, while Thanos might be the franchise def- defining villain at the moment. The franchise defining villain should be Doom. Yeah. Um, and it's just a bit sad that we haven't quite we haven't quite got that yet. It's it annoying that. Transferred. Yeah, I think the most annoying part to me has always been that, from my understanding of the comics and the backstory, is that he's quite a competent human being who is like he has pretty good motivations and kind of sympathetic sympathetic um, motivations, and beyond that. When he does get the chance to actually be ruling the country or the planet, in some cases, he's not the worst at it. He's like he's pretty good. <laughs> like he's competent as a human being, and he does have some good elements to him. But mm. looking at this movie and especially the the other movie, <laughs> um, he's just evil, and he's just angry that he got fired from the board. Um, mm. Like, even in the remake, it's just as generic as the fact that he feels like a henchman. Yeah, yeah. And I think the second movie is even is even worse about it because he's just there for no real reason. Mm. It's, it kind of annoys me. And I think to steal a really funny joke that I, I always laugh at from James, our anime reviewer on, on this podcast, when he watched this movie like quite a while ago on TV... He thought he was hilarious that <laughs> that the army said to our our heroes this year, <laughs> say hello to our new friend and military personnel, Victor Von Doom. <laughs> <laughs> he will definitely not betray us. He is a cool guy. Look at him. He's got a leather jacket. He's a cool guy. Um, Absolute it, top bloke. <laughs> like, the last movie, he was in the middle of New York destroying cars and killing people and all sorts. Like, we noticed for... There was cameras, there was everyone was around, and yet the military, the people the people of all the information, all the hardware, are like, you know who we, who we definitely need? Victor Von Doom. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, um... Moving on to some of the... Again, touching on some of the strengths of these films. Talking specifically about the thing. I think he's the one that comes best comes out best from these films. Yeah. Generally, 
I, I think I'm watching the first one. There's a scene where um, Ben Grimm's fiance ditches him, which questionable. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, anybody who's watched The Walking Dead, his fiance is a character from that. Oh. Um, Laurie Holden. I've never even written the Walking Dead character's name because I didn't know what the name was in this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the bit where he struggles to pick up the ring, mm, yeah. I find that actually quite sad. Yeah, there's a lot of quite sad things in this movie with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I also generally really like the fact that his arc ends with him like fully choosing to be the thing. Mm, like yeah, he full on commits to it. Yeah, it's more classic superhero arc, isn't it? Yeah. And um, I really love as well his relationship with the with the woman in the bar, the, mm. the blind woman. I think that's quite sweet and quite, for the most part, pretty well done. But the movie, I don't know, it just has doesn't have time for that relationship in the movie. It kind of yeah. just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it kind of feels odd in that we spend so much time with Ben, but yeah, this sort of relationship is just, nah, let's just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> um. And who, who could possibly forget the absolute legendary fashion statement of the trench coat and hat? <laughs> yeah. I also think there's quite a lot of good, like, little jokes in this movie. Like, I quite like yeah. the fact that there's... I mean, him, they're, they're trying to fawn someone and it's like, his fingers are too big. <laughs> I quite mm, like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> that. And, and there's, there's another bit where um, Johnny Storm heats, like, a popcorn thing. Yeah. I, there's little things there that do, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, 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 um, there's a montage at one point as well where, for some reason, Johnny's trying to get uh, Ben to slap himself in the face with like a, which, you know, it slaps it comedy, but it, it actually pretty works. It does. I think it's. I honestly think that in this entire movie, my favorite sequence is that montage because mm. it, like we've seen before, the other, the other Josh Trank movie, um, we never got the sense that they were ever actually friends. And it, it's just kind of like they made each other, they did an experiment, and then they had to be together because of this horrible accident, but nothing really beyond that. Mm. Um, so in this movie, I think I just really, really love the fact that they have to quarantine um, together. Mm. Um, they have to be together, innit? Yeah. Like, I think whoever... Because I think they were like probably struggling a bit in the writer's room about how do we get these characters to always be around each other, and how do we get them to just constantly just be getting each other's nerves as a family. Because as a family, you've got to be around each other all the time in the same mm-hmm. house. So how do we do that with these people when they're not even, not really that much related in some senses because they've just met in the opening act, really. Mm. Um, and the fact that they just went, well, quarantine, I guess. <laughs> and then let's do a fun montage about it. I think that's probably the best part of this movie. Um, mm. And then it goes into just generic superhero stuff from then, from then on. <laughs> it does. And so I'll build on what we said about the comedy. There is actually the odd, pretty decent one-liner. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that, I don't know why, but I quite liked it, is uh, Doom says, it's time to end this. And then um, Ben just storms, like literally just punches through a wall and says, no, it's clobbering time. <laughs> Which, you know, clobbering times fit into the other Fantastic Four and it just feels forced. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, I just really liked the way they did that. Yeah, like they fully embraced the absurdity of that line. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, um, it's, a, it's a little toy, I think, as well. Sorry, that is like a trying to almost like a little toy of the thing, and it oh, says yeah. the line. Yeah, 
And also, I like the fact that in these movies, they nick them celebrities. Mm. Like, I, I adore the fact that, like, in the Marvel Universe, the, the Fantastic Four are like the Kardashians. <laughs> like, everyone <laughs> knows the family, and everyone has their opinions on the family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really nice detail to it. And it just adds, adds something different to it. <laughs> um, another pretty good line to with with to do with Doom is that. Um, oh yeah, I, I mean, I've I've written down a hint and a nod to it, but I can't remember what the actual line was. Um, it's it's something like Doom. Doom says to Sue Storm, "Now I'm a god," and then Sue Sue, Sue responds, "But your problem is is that you always thought you were." <laughs> which kind of that does that speaks to the fact that this film does understand Doom a lot more than the remake did yeah definitely um, another thing similar to the, the thing about the orange landscape in the previous one is that Sue comes into to Doom and Reed and finds that Doom's frozen Reed mm-hmm. um, Sue goes over to him and he's all he's literally all frosty <laughs> and she says to him what has he done to you <laughs> Take a guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, generally, generally, I still have a fond nostalgia for them. Like, I watched them a lot as a kid. Hmm. Same, I... nostalgia's still there. I loved the first one, especially when I was a kid. Like, I loved mm. it. Um, I even played the, the terrible video game. <laughs> oh, um, God, I remember the video game. In fact, I think that, I think... Actually, no, I think I played the video game to the sequel. Really? Oh, I think I'm sticking the same thing as well. <laughs> Is it, like, the one where... It, you're controlling them all and you're fighting the scrolls. <laughs> yes, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think... I kind of hate being mean to these movies because I think they're just mm. simultaneously off their time and at the same time just kind of... They kind of get it right enough. Um, mm. Not particularly well, not groundbreaking, not really strong, just kind of... At least we've got two movies that understood the premise <laughs> um yeah and i think i also kind of like the fact that there's a lot of practical elements in this in this film i like the idea that the the thing suit is actually a real suit that he wore mm, um, yeah yeah I, I like that as fact as well i mean sometimes it does look a bit dodgy but sometimes i would yeah. rather have i'd rather have dodgy practical than dodgy cgi yeah definitely i think the only um, the, the only dodgy part is the fact that when he when he creases his, like his neck you can see how it's like rubber and not rocks. It's really <laughs> <Yeah>. weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in general, I think Mr. Fantastic is just a nightmare. <laughs> like his powers. Oh, yeah. For anybody yeah. making a Fantastic Four film, those powers are a nightmare because in this one and in the remake, him stretching looks horrendous. It has never looked good. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And I think... I kind of also like the fact that they do this have this one this uh, back and forth thing where Victor Von Doom's like was well, like it's like science one on one and he says what happens to Robert when you're super cool and then I think we reaches at the end and goes yeah some physics one on one what happens when you do this to this and like oh that's that's pretty cute that they have like a back and forth about science <laughs> yeah uh, it's a pretty 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 decent bit of banter between your hero and your villain yeah and it's also nice to have like. It's kind of refreshing going from the Josh Trank version to this version where this show map, there's like a bit of action that's kind of all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. As well, there's a bit of colour. Yeah, it has a bit of vibrance. <laughs> mm, yeah, like I said, 
I really, really, really like this suit. Aside from the the fact that it's used rather, uh, rather negatively for Sue Storm. Yeah. The general look of the suits is pretty great. Did this is a comic book on screen? <laughs> like that's how they did it. Sorry. Uh, it's like it's just a comic book, just like on screen, essentially, in yeah. terms of the actual suits. Um, it baffles me that nobody's nobody else has done that with their films. Yeah. Um, uh, how do you feel about the next film, The Silver Surfer? Um, I I, I think it's a similar level, really. Yeah. I don't think it's a massive drop off in quality from the first one. Mm-hmm. I think a lot a lot is retained. Yeah. I just don't remember it as well. I mean, I I'm, obviously, I... obviously, I'm saying that after having seen the first one yesterday, but before that, I, I still remembered the first one more. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, still... I, I, I remember there's a pretty good chase between the Silver Surfer and Johnny Storm in the second one, I think. Yeah, as what I mentioned, that's the highlight of that movie. <laughs> um, I think, in general, I do prefer it, I think, to mm. the first one. Um, yeah. I think because it gets to the point earlier on, and it's not as there's not as much like wacky hijinks and kind of just kind of there's some weird kind of elements of the first one that are not as much in the mm. second one. Like there's um, there's a lot of things that hold it back where it's just things happen by some wacky coincidence. Yeah, like generally the bridge thing is a pretty decent set piece, and who wasn't caused by Ben clumsily. <laughs> being the thing yeah um I, I kind of how do you feel about the silver surfer uh the actual character the silver surfer i think it's done okay yeah <laughs> it's not it's not disastrous because I, I i one detail i've always liked no it's tiny is that without the board he goes a little less silver <laughs> yeah like he's full on cgi when he's got the board but when he's not he's like a the blackest rubber suit Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course we have we have Galactus. Yeah. Who is in the movie? <laughs> mm-hmm. Am I right in uh, remembering that he's a big cloud? Just a big cloud. Yeah. I think at one point they do that really annoying thing that every superhero movie movie used to do, where they would hint towards the actual character, like it had. Like the moon, I think there's like some sort of shadow over a moon or like some sort of planet, mm. and it has the shape of Galactus from the comics. Yeah, but obviously you get to the actual event and it's just a big fuck off cloud, <laughs> <laughs> and it's so it's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's like saying this is what you could have had, but instead you've got a bit a bit a bit of dust, bit of cloud. Yeah, and I love the fact that at the end of the movie, Silver Surfer kind of just kills it by himself. Yeah. It's like absolutely no need for the Fantastic Four after all. It's so weird to me that, that I can't believe that happens, and I think it's a big element to why Victor Von Doom doesn't work for me as much in this film because, again, he's just there. He's kind of just in the background, and at the end of the film, it's clear that he's there just to make the to make the Fantastic Four do something together for like mm-hmm. once, <laughs> and then. They just move on to the actual conflict from the beginning of the movie and kind of sort it out in the background with mm-hmm. with the Silver Surfer. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I also kind of like the fact that Sue Storm dies for a bit. Um, kind of fun. I've forgotten <laughs> about that. Yeah, just like just for a little tiny bit, the bit of death, um, bit of pretty crying, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. 
What what is a classic comic book film without a fake death? You know, it's got to be in there. You got to have a bit of a oh, where's his body? Where's his body gone? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost it. It's a it's a. Oh. I, my favorite my favorite example of that is um. And this is a movie that I do like, um, but Batman v Superman, at the end where the, the little soil comes up, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, we all knew it. <laughs> yeah. Do you Generally, want to how would you... And I, I feel like this is, is, is really easy. I've done rankings in the past, but this is going to be really easy. <laughs> how would you rank these films? Uh, yeah, so me, second one, The Silver Surfer is number one. Easily mm. my favorite, I guess. Uh, after that, it goes Fantastic Four, two thousand five. You got the, you got, you know, you got Doctor Doom at least doing some things in his actual costume, and then dead last, really under the ground, six six feet below, you got Fan two thousand fifteen, whatever that movie is meant to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, what's your ranking? I'd have to agree. I think. I mean. I... I, I'd have to say that I'd probably put the 2005 one first, mainly because I don't really remember the second one that well. I didn't have time to watch it. Um, and then, obviously, Fantastic Dead Last, because it is pure shite. It really is. <laughs> yeah. But you want to move on to our fan cast? We can do it. Have you, have you said everything you, that you, uh, you want to about those films? Yeah, I'm kind of happy with moving on from those films altogether. <laughs> good, good. The future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to just start off this by saying how how would you generally like them to be tackled? I I think for me, uh, the main point that I said before is like just skip the origin. We don't need it. It's mm-hmm. uh, we get it. It's fine. Um, the characters, mid and actual like a nuclear family, have the obsessive obsessive father, the capacitive mother, the like the rebel Johnny, and like the. The Ben Grimm kind of sad little, he could be great, but he's a, he's a bit sad about it. <laughs> um, and I think just have it not be really petty conflicts. I mm-hmm. really hate the fact that the old 2005 version has like just, they don't like each other because he was mean in the past for a hot minute. You know, it was just weird. Also, Doctor Doom, make him like a sequel villain. Don't do him off the like. Don't do him again from the get go. Mm. Um, like I, I'm, I'm. I, I think I'd agree with you in that. I'm happy for him to be in it, mm-hmm. and to have that that sort of sort of in a way, in a way, like you know, you have in the like you know, you have in the Raymond trilogy, you have you have Kurt Connors, yeah, just there, yeah. Um, Maybe, maybe a bit more than Kurt Connors in those films, but have him be there, establish the relationship. I think that's key. Yeah, have him like yeah, have him be like the Harry Osborn of the franchise, where he's been building up for like three movies. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, and then also in terms of, like tone and aesthetic, just go, just go big. Don't be in New York for the entire movie. Don't be in London or in the the negative zone, but like terrible version of it, where it's just rocky mountains. Go, go to, go off planet. Go anywhere else. Just like different dimensions, different planets, different whatever, aliens, alien species, uh, big Galactus, actual Galactus. Do big things because like 
2021, we're fine with whatever you throw at us. <laughs> yeah, we we can comprehend. Yeah, we're not going to be annoyed that's unrealistic. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. some people will be because, you know, cinema scenes exist, but never mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, just watch The Incredibles on repeat. Mm. Yeah, yeah, read some comics. <laughs> yeah, 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 just read some comics. Um, um, yeah. What's your tackling um, I I think I'm quite happy to have the origin sort of be shown, but make it like a small part of the film. Maybe like just opening pu- montages? Yeah, just, just from the point of view of helping us understand exactly what part of the universe it was. Like, mm. was it the quantum zone? Oh, might be, yeah. Was it, was it from space? Was it from the negative zone? Just as long as we have something that helps us understand that. I'm generally quite happy for them. I mean, I would, part of me would like to see them get used to the powers. Yeah. Like while, well, like, like I said with Spider-Man, I like the fact that we didn't see the origin because we've seen it loads before. But I also kind of missed not being able to see him discover the powers. Yeah. Because, you know, they, they make for great sequences in the other two Spider-Man films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think I kind of missed that a little bit. It's not a massive thing, but if we could have them getting used to it, and if you do, if you do have them show the origin, they, it sort of it helps Fantastic Four feel bigger within the MCU. Yeah. Like, with Spider-Man, initially it sort of felt, well, he's been there for a while and he's, he's only now coming to the surface. Um, whereas if we see the origin here, it feels like we've been th- with them through the whole journey. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it's not like a massive make or break thing for me. Mm-hmm. One of the things that is kind of make or break for me is that I want them to be slightly older than what we've had before. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I Under 30 is a no-no for me. <laughs> I would. I prefer them. Preferably, the youngest. The youngest I'd be happy with is thirty-five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mainly because I just didn't like that in Fantastic in Fantastic. <laughs> they felt like college roommates and not like a family. <laughs> mm. Like I understand sort of the that they have history that they were younger, like stuff they did when they were younger. It needs to be a part of it. But at the end of the day, it's. We have we already have so many genius level characters who are quite young. And we have Peter Parker, we have Sherry, we have a, and we, we also with the new batch, we have the young the young Avengers that's supposedly coming through. We have Riri Williams, we have um we have Wanda's two kids, who we'll probably tie into it later. Yeah. We have Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. We have we have something to satisfy that younger bracket. Yeah. Making the Fantastic Four be twenty five. <laughs> it feels like we're overloading that. And, and ultimately I do understand the general target audience of these films are younger mm-hmm. but I would rather I mean like 40 is not old let's, let's remember that people yeah it's not really that far <laughs> you know um, I'm pretty sure RDJ was about 40 when he became Iron when he first Iron Man yeah and he's like 55 when he got killed in Endgame <laughs> um, yeah and, and Pepper She'd be about fifty, maybe, maybe, like forty, so. maybe. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I, I'd like to see, and you'll, you'll see that in my castings, maybe. <laughs> right. 
Um, but yeah, and another, another part is just above all else, get the family dynamic right. Yeah, please. Because <laughs> like, if you don't have that base element, you've got nothing to make your like wacky space hijinks actually unique. Yeah, them as a family is what makes them unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Fantastic Four, they, and I, I kind of have faith because this is what they've done in the MCU to date, is that they shouldn't be Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, Human Torch, the thing. They should be Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, and Ben Ben Grimm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. said Ben Franklin then. <laughs> well, Franklin's their son, so maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um... So, without further ado, would you like to get, would you like to get on to the big uh, the big moment? Yeah. Um, should I go first? Go on then. Uh, okay. So I'm going to start off with my Reed Richards fan casting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have two options for this one. Mm-hmm. The rest I just have one. But um, either I think you pronounce it Rafe Spall. Uh, oh yeah. He is. He, I guess he was in. Jurassic World for like hot minute. <laughs> um, yeah, he's in James Bond as well, isn't he? Uh, maybe. Um, no, I'm thinking. I think he's someone else. Never mind. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's. Who else is he in? He is in other things. R A F E S P A L L. He's a Timothy Spallson. Oh, is he? Oh, yes. Not know that. Um, I think you can. I think I saw him recently. And I was like, "Oh, he has a quite a. He can be quite a nice nerd, but also um, obsessive <laughs> kind of person." Because um, he played kind of a villainous role in Jurassic World for a minute, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, before that, he was quite nice and quite like a, a entrepreneur, scientist kind of person. So mm-hmm. I kind of got the vibe that he could, given the right script, I think he could be pretty good in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, though, I do have a different uh, casting for this character, mm-hmm. uh, which is the key Stanfield. Um, Ooh, yeah, that's good. Because I think I think about his performance in um, in Knives Out, and it's very small. It's very like a small performance, but I love his like reclusive kind of. He ha- he has like he's quite um, likable and like smart and like uh, conniving, but also quite just not in the room all the time <laughs> and i think that element suits reed Richards. he's quite because he is quite a character who is very nice and very kind of like sourceable but also kind of he's always thinking about something else um and i think lucky lucky stanfield can really do that really well mm. um but moving on to ben Grimm. I went for a, <laughs> kind of a weird choice, but I went for Rob Delaney. <laughs> oh, I can the, see that. Yeah, I can yeah. see Because he has quite a, a kindly giant kind of thing going. <laughs> he's quite a nice guy, and he kind of, I don't know, he kind of has that thing where he's almost like a Keanu Reeves kind of character, person where I like him, and I think everyone likes him no matter what <laughs> kind of thing. Um, he's in Deadpool 2 for a minute as well. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He's the guy that doesn't have any powers to throw the team. <laughs> Yeah, I just think his voice as well, combined with that character, is really funny. <laughs> yeah, if you have like a softer voice. Yeah. <laughs> coming out of this big rock thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and going from that, my Sue Storm casting, 
Um, I'm pretty confident with this one. But I'm not sure. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Uh, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Someone behind me. Um, Sue Storm. Uh, so yeah, I think Lily James might be a good choice. Um, oh yeah, yeah. From my my year two <laughs> is my knowledge of her. Um, <laughs> I think she has that kind of that compassionate kind of thing going. Um, mm-hmm. I can believe her as like someone who is uh, very mindful of her, of her family, but at the same time, kind of a person who's like kind of a would go out to space and kill someone <laughs> at the same time. Um, and then my Johnny Storm, this is quite a generic casting, but I think I can just really see it really well. Um, Zac Efron, mm. I can just see it. I don't know why. He just, I can, I can imagine him being a big dumb uh, rebel person and just nailing it really well. And but at the same time being likable because I, I find I think he's really likable mm. in general. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's my perfect cast and I did also cast very quickly uh, Doctor Doom mm-hmm. um, I went for Javier Bardem ooh, ooh that's, 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 that's another tasty one yeah he has that he has that um, that powerful quality I think but also quite tortured because I think uh, looking back to like Skyfall he has that commanding presence but also that kind of mm. maybe he just needs a hug you know <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> maybe he does yeah, so that's my cast, I guess. That's very, that's very interesting. I like the idea of either Rafe Spall or Keith Stanfield. Um, yeah. Shall I go on to mine? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so, Reed Richards. I'm going to surprise you. Oh, not the one I'm expecting. <laughs> I'm not going to say John Krasinski. Ooh. Um... That being said, I would still really like John Krasinski to be it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have been a very, as, as I'm sure people know, I've been a very prominent supporter of him being cast. And I do I do thoroughly believe that he probably will be him. I think it's just a loud, like, fan support that Marvel must be aware of it. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. Um, that being said, one one that I also considered, which I kind of ruled out, one I've thought of before because he is already in the MCU. Like my ideal uh, Doom casting. <laughs> but um, one, one thing that I, one that I thought was, would be quite interesting would be Sterling K. Brown. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. But he, he is Killmonger. Killing Killmonger's dad, even. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the guy that I've gone for, for Reed Richards, is Andrew Lincoln. Oh, um,. Walking Dead himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like, like I said, um, just the idea that having them be sort of slightly older than the 30 mark. Again, not saying that Andrew Lincoln's old, he's not. But as an actor, I just feel like he has the presence to be obviously a leader, because that's what he is. In, he played lead in The Walking Dead. He has an absolutely legendary 500-yard stare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> unparalleled by by anything. Um, he's shown great dynamic range. He's also shown like a great compassionate side in The Walking Dead when he's not slicing people's heads open. <laughs> but you know, a good a good part of that is the aspect of him being a father. And I feel that could translate very well. He, I just, I just think he has. There's a picture of him, oddly from on set from a film he did recently called Penguin Bloom. <laughs> 
Um, I just looked at that. He's like wearing glasses and he's got a little bit of a beard and his hair's slightly, it's got a few like greyer strands in it. I just think, yeah, that's Reed Richards. <laughs> yeah, I looked at the image, the image just now. And yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I think I think he'd be phenomenal. I think he'd be able to carry the weight. He's also experienced sort of being a franchise lead. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, uh, for me, my sort of pick would be Andrew Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving in the same way you did for Ben Grimm. Again, this is one I had two for. Mm. Um, one of the ones I, also, I saw quite a lot of mentioned would be Nathan Fillion. Oh, yeah. Um, but after seeing this as a suggestion, I cannot unsee it now. Um, <laughs> and that is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. <laughs> I, I, know, I know it's another Walking Dead member but that's not what I was thinking <laughs> generally because he just has like a he has a voice that can be both really aggressive and really soft mm. yeah. um, he can be a dick as, as seen in Watchmen <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but and anybody else who hasn't seen The Walking Dead you might know him because he is um, Thingy Wayne um, I forgot his first name Bruce Wayne. Um, Bruce Wayne's dad. <laughs> yeah. Thomas um, Wayne. Thomas Wayne, that's it. He's Thomas Wayne in the uh, flashback in Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. And I just think... I just think he's, he's, he's a good actor that can have like a, a larger-than-life character mm-hmm. and handle it so well while also having a really vulnerable side, which is something that I think is key to Ben Grimm. Yeah. Because ultimately he's trapped in this massive rock form, so you have to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Storm. Mm-hmm. This was an absolute nightmare for me. <laughs> I just couldn't pick one. It was quite hard for me as well because I, w- I just went for the generic one that everyone kind of agrees on. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like Zach Efron's a difficult one to argue with. Um, a few names that I had thrown about was Joe Keery. Joe Keery. Stranger Things is um, Steve. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Um, Robert Sheehan. Okay. Um, Umbrella Academy. Oh yeah, okay, okay. Well, he's probably probably bottom. Another one that I had, which I kind of like, is Andrew Garfield. Hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever seen him in a in a cocky role. I don't really think I've seen him do that. I know. I'd like. I'd like to see him try. I think. Because, again, he has that sort of likeable side to him. Because I think a key part of the Fantastic Four and Johnny Storm for the MCU will be having a relationship with Spider-Man. Not a relationship, it's a romantic relationship. (laughs) But as in having, like, a friendship dynamic with Spider-Man. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like all those actors quickly achieve that. It's one that I wasn't sure on. Um, (laughs) My Sue Storm was not overly blunt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again, like I said with John Krasinski, it'd be one that I I would really quite like. Like a Tab Emily Blunt, and I think it will probably be Emily Blunt. Yeah. However, I... informed by my recent TV viewing, my choice for Sue Storm is Anna Torf. Mm. <laughs> the the main character. Yeah, the main character from Fringe. Fringe, yeah. Um and surprisingly, like I, I checked I've seen a bit of background research before we did this, and 
like at the end of, at the start of December, they, like it was Vegas, released betting odds. And when I was checking, I was very surprised to see that Anatol is actually quite high up on the list. She's about fifth, which kind of surprised me. Um, I will, I'll read the odds as well at the end, just to, just to see, just so that, you know, you have an idea of what other people might be saying. And as well, the odds are, a load of them are pretty, <laughs> pretty random. Michael Sarah is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I... A, I would genuinely love to see her in more roles. I feel like she's criminally underrated as an actress. Mm-hmm. Um, she has both an emotional and badass range that she, she can bring to the role. Um, yeah, I think I think she would be absolutely brilliant as well. Um, there was news that Marvel Studios are sort of temporarily moving to Australia. Oh, are they? Okay. For some of the... Because Thor's film and then other things. And Anatole's Australian, so... Confirmed. Just hanging around. She might not even live in Australia. Put her in front of the camera. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, for Doctor Doom, what I, me- what I mentioned before is Rufus Sewell. Rufus Sewell. You, may, you um, probably know his face. Oh, yeah, I do know his face, yeah. I think he'd he be is, great. He is on the holiday with Jack Black. and. Is he? <laughs> yeah, for a Isn't minute. That? Yeah. Uh, however, ultimately, I think one of the ones I've settled on is um, have, it's a name that on paper looks easy, <laughs> but I've seen it pronounced so many ways. I'm going to go with uh, Killian Murphy. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Mr. Peaky Blinders. Yeah, Scarecrow. Um, yeah, Scarecrow. And, and every Nolan film. <laughs> yeah, all of them. <laughs> um, I can yeah. see that, yeah. I think, yeah, he has sort of that, that presence. And as well, one of the key things for me with sort of a character like this is the voice. Like with, with, like with any character who's under a mask, the voice has to be spot on. And I, I feel like both of them could carry that off. Yeah, he has that He has that kind of... Um, I can imagine him, like... In fact, I can imagine him next to Andrew Lincoln and him being kind of like a... A snivelly little kind of scientist nerd who kind of just mm. gets jealous of him. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. Um, I did also for for because this is be too good of a casting to pass up on. Uh, Keanu for the Silver Surfer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's just the perfect. kind of man that I feel like should belong on a surfboard in space. I also feel like. Marvel Studios must really, really want Keanu Reeves in the MCU. <laughs> he just has to be there. Because, like, why wouldn't you want him in there? <laughs> it's not a cultural movement if he doesn't have Keanu in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my list. Yeah. That's a pretty good list. I like that. Thank you. I like yours as well. I like, like the... that, that Rafe Spore one. Uh, yeah. Because I just saw him with his... I saw him, like, wear glasses once. I was like, that's... That's Reed Richards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, um, like I think a lot of this has been drowned out by the idea of having Krasinski and Blunt, and I accept that I'm partly to blame for that. <laughs> but um, I think it's, it's all good you. To, it's all on me. <laughs> I think it's just good to consider others. There's a wide range of people that could do a family comedy road trip movie in space. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and it's what yeah. you want to see. Make it in space. <laughs> 
please do it. Marvel, please. <laughs> We're sending this recording to Marvel. <laughs> I'm sure um, they'll care about it. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, I don't think so. I think I made a lot of points about this franchise, movie franchise, that's good and bad and terrible. <laughs> what a wonderful roller coaster. <laughs> um, yeah, do you, want, do you want to bring us home? Yeah, okay. So, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marvelous Cinema Podcast, where we talked about the Fantastic Four, and all of its glory, and its ruined potential in the course of three movies. And I just want to mention as well, actually, I guess, that I think because of, you know, people watch Marvel movies and probably therefore assume because the the Fantastic Four movies never went well that they're just unfilmable characters. No. Um, I that's, I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> I no, I disagree with that as well. I think it's very, I don't, I don't want to say easy, but I want to say it's, it's definitely possible. I think obviously The Incredibles is Fantastic Four, but in red outfits <laughs> and, and different power sets, I guess. Mm. Um so I don't. I think it's totally possible these movies can be good. And I think if you're out there and you're thinking, "Yeah, Fantastic Four, not for me," well, see you in five years' time, where they're the biggest thing in the world, um, <laughs> making a lot of bets there. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I hope you uh, give us a review, give us a like, give us a share with your friends, share with your your colleagues, your 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 parents, your your twin brothers are no share share with anyone you know um and i hope you liked it uh so mention again we have an instagram account at marvelous and marvelous podcast where we do every other day reviews and weekly podcasts um at the same time we have a twitter account at cinema marvel where we do the same thing every other day reviews and weekly podcasts coming out on monday usually um uh, yeah i hope you enjoyed thank you for listening